episode 133, Mobility or Stability Issues. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Charles-Claire, and today with Dr. Daniel Bachman's perspective. Join 2017 and 2018 Podcast Awards nominated host as we get a behind-the-curtain look at all types of doctors and guest specialties. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Thanks again for joining me this week. I think you're going to like the guest. As the title suggests, mobility or stability? Or actually, is it both? And yes, ba-bomb, it is. So we're going to go through all of what's he looking for when we're talking about mobility or stability. He's creating a one-day seminar to kind of help go through, you know, all the joints that he treats. But that's only a small part of the actual interview. Most of it is talking about like, his definition, his theory, how's he look at things. Because the way he does rehab is, is very um, simple and effective. In fact, he's able to be uh, one of the treating doctors for the AVP Volleyball, which is their professional organization. Uh, he's the go-to for some musicians that come into town. And a lot of that stems from uh, online reviews as well. So that's part of his marketing. At the time of the recording, there was a prominent Achilles injury during the NBA Finals. So we use that as an example for him walking us through his technique protocols and also his favorite patient outcome assessment, which is different than probably what you think. Like it's not Oswaldry. We got a review the other day. I'm not 100% sure if I put it in the past episode, but here it is again. Igor KDC wrote, Doc, great job on creating such an array of good and useful information. I see that lots of work was put into the podcast. Good job. Well, Igor, I appreciate your feedback, appreciate the encouragement, and I do put a lot of effort and time into these, which I hope everyone notices. Well, you know these can always come out later than when I uh, do them. But next week, going on a little riverboat cruise from Shenzhen City, three days down. Never been to one like that before. So looking forward to it. Spend time with some family. Get away from work for a little while. Uh, the adventure of teaching in Shanghai has been going well. It's a little bit of teaching, a little bit of consulting, a little bit of sipping, sipping tea and having great Chinese hospitality. Uh, speaking of, real quick, I don't have a dedicated page for the ProLone fast mimicking diet, but I just started it this week. I'm on day four or five. It's not really a weight loss diet, but I think that's how they want you to like promote it a little bit. But I look at it as more of, if I can do it for one week per month for three consecutive months, yeah, I'll lose the abdominal fat. That's an important part for me. That's where I keep it. Blood pressure goes down, triglycerides, LDLs, glucose tolerance is better, like with hemoglobin A1C. C-reactive protein oil should go down. So I've already taken my blood work and I'm waiting to, you know, I got to wait a little while to retake it, but I'm excited for it. And the big thing is the upregulation of stem cells after you're done fasting and then refeeding. One of their big things is you're able to fast, but you actually get to eat some food and the food is specially made. That's why they, you know, you have to buy these boxes and the food's given to you. It's only like 800 calories a day. If that interests you, just shoot me a, an email or a response. You can also go to a doctorsperspective.net slash resources to find out more about that. I think that's enough for now. All the show notes and transcript can be found at a doctorsperspective.net slash 133. Let's go. Hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Austin, Texas. Today, we got a doctor, chiropractic, who says his treatment approach is outcome driven, which means he has specific functional and pain goals for every patient that comes in. He's got proven methods that work. And a big thing is how to educate patients on how to prevent future recurrences, which is, I think, a very good thing. Now, he works with semi-pro football, musicians, and not only for himself, but for volleyball players in the AVP. So that's a nice little niche he's got going on. Please welcome <laughs> to the show, Dr. Daniel Bachman. 
Hey, everyone. Doc, thanks a lot for having me on. I, I love your podcast, and you do great work. I'm glad to be here. Ooh, music to my ears right there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you always got to start the interview with, you know, Y Chiropractic. We're actually the same alumni. Oh, really? So you went to TCC as well? TCC. We would not have crossed paths. Some of the things I definitely going to want to know about later for the listeners too. Volleyball. I've only treated one like a really good volleyball player, and that was really fun. And then um, musicians, it's like, whoa, that was kind of cool. You know, like looking at your page and everything, like, how in the world did you get into that? And of course, <laughs> just what is functional rehab, what is functional adjustments, yes. and all that stuff look like. So that's what you're going to get today. So let's just jump in. Why chiropractic? And you're obviously a fit guy. So uh, what's the backstory? Okay, so it's an interesting story uh, how I got into chiropractic. So it's kind of crazy. So I, when I was a senior in high school, uh, they gave us an aptitude test and a skills test to like see what we were good at and what we were interested in, right? And kind of point us in the direction of a of a career. Well, I took the test and both of the two tests and both of them said I should become a chiropractor, which I was like, what is that? And my counselor was like, I'm not sure. I think it's some kind of bone doctor. Not even on the I was radar. Like, exactly. So neither of us knew what it was, but it sounded like, oh, doctor sounds pretty good. So maybe I should go for that. I said, well, what do I need to do? And she said, well, it's pre-med. So I said, well, I'll go pre-med. So mm -hmm. now there was a big gap in there. So I went pre-med for a while. And then I, did, then I kind of discovered the college life. And long story short, I had a lot of fun and didn't really take much school for 10 years. <laughs> I bartended for 10 years. And then I got married and I realized, hey, I don't want to retire and raise a family on a bartender's salary. So I started reconsidering what career path I might take. And I went back to my wife said, hey, what about chiropractic? And I said, okay. So I jumped in. I went, uh, I took 40. Basically, I was short for my undergrad. I was short 40 hours of science. So I'd taken every other class <laughs> that That's I needed to That's a lot of hours. <laughs> it's a lot of hours. And I took the 40 hours in one year. I went, oh. I, I took summer classes and I mean, I just went great guns. And I also had to raise my GPA at the same time to get accepted. So it was kind of crunch time, but I did it. Then I went to Texas Chiropractic College in Pasadena, Texas, and where you, which you know well, Stinkadena, Texas. Stinkadena, right? oh yeah, yes, and uh, and that, and honestly, I I think it's amazing that an 18 year old, which we are at high in, uh, as a high school senior, we're being asked to make this monumental decision about what we're going to do for the rest of our life. We have no idea whether we're going to enjoy it, whether we're going to be good at it, but we have to make this massive investment in time and money towards this thing. And we just kind of cross our fingers and hope it's the right thing. So I feel completely fortunate to come to just unreservedly love what I do. It's it's I feel lucky to have landed here. It's a very rewarding job. I look forward to every day. That's that's my measure for how, how much do you like your your job? It's how you feel when you're driving to work. Do you feel like, oh my God, another, I got to psych myself up for this? Or do you feel like, what's today going to bring me? What kind of new, exciting, different case am I going to get? How am I going to be challenged? What kind of big therapeutic wins could I get today? Um, how many, how many people can I see light up in happiness or be able to get out of a chair again or something, you know, whatever, whatever the thing is, right. it's exciting. And I, and I feel super, super lucky to have landed here. Sometimes I wonder if we should be taking a year off, not a year off, 
but doing something for like a year mm-hmm. between and if it's expected then that's great because yeah yeah i'm with you man like bartending for 10 years that's a long time <laughs> going to school 30 hours 40 hours at one time of all your sciences that would be brutal i mean that's kind of like college practice college at that point you're just like oh my gosh how are we supposed to get through all these hours and study and so you prepared yourself but love it man love it so far and then there's so many avenues of like i guess chiropractic niching down old people pediatrics just being a run-of-the-mill yes. guy yes yeah how'd you kind of get into the functional part so first of all i would kind of yeah you're right there are a bunch of different kind of paths you can take once you become a chiropractor Similar to an MD, right? So you can MD, you can become a pediatrician or a radiologist or an oncologist or a family practice, right? We don't have those same options, but we do have different um, certifications and diplomate programs or, or call them subspecialties, if you like, areas of focus that you can go in. And mine, I define mine as sports medicine and rehabilitation for spine and extremities. Uh, sports medicine meaning injuries, they don't have to be athletes, but I mean – People, I mean, generally athletes hurt themselves if they're pursuing their, I mean, it's common and yeah. they want to get back to sports. So I think sports medicine kind of encompasses both the kind of injury, which are often extremity injuries, and the fact that you're trying to restore an athlete back to their sport. Getting someone out of pain is one thing. Return to play, or they call it RTP, is, is kind of it's sep- a separate thing. It's a separate process because Getting you to where you can feed yourself, dress yourself, and go back to work is a worthy goal, but it's a much lower bar than being able to perform at a high level like you know, collegiate level or professional or whatever. So that, I would say, is a sports medicine bit. And I do pre- and post-surgical rehab. So, so really? for ACL, yeah, ACL reconstruction or label tear repair in the shoulder, ACL or Achilles rupture reconstruction – Bicep tendon ruptures. I mean, I've kind of done it all. Fractures. I do post-op fracture rehab. What did you take for that? Because that's a pretty unique thing for a chiropractor to do. I'm normally like, yo, that's for a physical therapy. If you got that, I don't even want to see it. Right. So it's a weird answer to your question. I have zero extra certifications. Okay. I kind of just figured out, I've written all my own rehab protocols myself, and I've kind of cobbled them together from other things I've seen and heard and combine that with stuff that I observe with my patients in practice. And uh, I just, I just had patients come in and ask me if I could fix something. And I said, Hey, let's try. This was decades ago, but right. Right. But now, I mean, I have neurosurgeons sending me their post-op, you know, spinal fusions or discectomies or podiatric surgeons sending me their post-op bendionectomies. Which is crazy because, right. I mean, I always say, yeah, send them over. And then I'm like panicking. I mean, back when I first got this hat, you know, you've never yeah. had one and then you get one. You're kind of panicking, but it makes you try harder. And then once you learn that thing, then you've done it and you can do it again. And it makes you less afraid of the things in the future. Sometimes I would think, too, it's kind of like a mixed bag. There's probably certain protocols that you get taught at like a program. Like you're going to do this and you're going to do this. And step one, step two. Yes. And it. And we talked to a guy, uh, a PJ, he was doing some special knee rehab after like surgery, you know, you get your knee replaced and it's like this machine and it pretty much restores, yeah, it restores your, no, no, not that one. It's actually much better than that. It'll restore your motion in about two weeks. And then when you go to the PT, they're the one, now you're working on like strength and everything. So it was a really, Uh it was a cool concept where we're not just worried about your range of motion. We got to get you like back on the field. 
Yes. The idea being you'll probably put them through different rehab program, like different exercises, different load bearing. That would be different than just let's make sure you have full range of motion in right. four weeks. But, um, yes. So so I'll, I'll do a follow-up to your please. previous question. You said, where did I get this stuff? Well, and, and you're right. Most chiropractors, I mean, you ask someone what a chiropractor does. They're back crack. We're back crackers, right? Right, right. But and, and that's true. That is a tool in our tool bag. But that's just one tool in our tool bag. So, for example, all I have five treatment tools that I use for patients, just five. And they are stretches, exercise, massage, spinal manipulation, lifestyle modification. That's it. No ultrasound, no traction, no uh, electrotherapy, um, no braces, no heat, no ice, no anti-inflant. No, um, that's it. And that's, those are the tools I use to fix everyone. And I have actually, I'm happy to talk with you about it, but I, I have my protocol is pretty simple and it applies to all areas, neck, back, knee, shoulder, foot, ankle, wherever the same rules apply. But, um, and, and of course you remember at TCC, we had physical medicine re- rehabilitation classes, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we can vaguely remember that orthopedics. We had some orthopedics classes. Oh, yeah, I remember all that. But the problem is, they never gave us any actual plans or programs. There's, like you said, there's no checklist. Like, okay, first do this. Then when they can do that, you do this. We never got that. We learned how to apply electric stim and how to do ultrasound and what kinds of things they might be good for. But when you get an actual live patient sitting down in front of you who's got tons of pain and swelling, what the hell do you do? You know? Every ortho test is positive. Yes, exactly. They've got everything, right? Yeah. <laughs> All your tests are positive. So basically, I just kind of muddled through. And uh, honestly, I, I, I like a lot of Craig Liebenson's work. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote mm-hmm. Functional uh, Rehabilitation of the Spine. And uh, Professor Stuart McGill, monster in his field, and Greg Cook. So to me, those are the Greg Cook of functional movement systems. Those three guys are top of their – if you follow them, you are going good places. So you studied the classic three people that most people are creating these long certification programs and everything. Those are the main guys that they pull research from anyway. Yes. And I say research loosely because I've watched, I've listened to podcasts and I've watched some YouTube videos of them and I kind of got their concepts. I never took a course or anything with any of them. Right. I, I did read Craig Liebenson's fine rehab book 20 years ago. But the ideas are what from them are what uh, I use to kind of create my stuff and test it out and see what works and what doesn't. If it works, I use it. If it doesn't, I try something else. And I just kept doing that until all that was left was a real small list of easy rules to follow that you could plug in any patient, any body part. So what is like one of the core concepts that you adhere to whenever you're looking at your package? Uh Aha. That is the question to ask. So basically... If you think about it, all injury and pain head to toe has really only two two main reasons for that pain. And it's either mobility problems or stability problems. Move, And I mean, I'm talking about problems with moving parts, joints, right. muscles, bones, ligaments, nerves, all that stuff that goes with it. So mobility problems, you could either have too much mobility, like if you tore your ACL, your knee, your knee is no longer snug, it's slipping around, right? That's too much mobility or too little mobility. Let's say you have frozen shoulder. You should be able to raise your elbow, but you can't. So you can have too much or too little mobility. 
and not enough stability, meaning the muscles whose job it is to protect that joint can't, and that allows pain to happen. What that breaks down to almost every time is the patient has tight things and weak things. (laughs) Yeah. So once we realize they've got tight things, which are limiting their their movement, right? And if movement is limited, that means by definition, they are being forced to move abnormally, right? If they're, right. they don't have normal range, that therefore everything they do is abnormal. That, and that means it's a riskier way to do that thing and more likely to hurt. Because they're probably still doing it. It's just compensated. Yeah. Especially like an athlete. Exactly. But this applies to an 80-year-old grandmother who's trying to bend down and pick up something off the floor. You know, yeah. if, if she's only got 20 degrees of hip flexion, well, she's going to strain her back in the process. I see a lot of 58-year-olds waddling around instead of walking. It's like they just bounce from yes. hip to hip. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And I will say, tight things and weak things, of those two, the tight things are this big a contributor in almost every case. It's usually like 90-10. 90% of the problem is tight things, 10 or maybe 80-20. It's usually that way. Right. So then once I – this is my hypothesis – There's only two kinds of problems you can have. These are them. Once we assume that, then there are only three tools that fix tight things. Stretches fix tight things. They create more mobility. Mm -hmm. Massage does the same thing by breaking up scar tissue and adhesions, allowing more mobility. And spinal manip. I I treat adjustments like WD-40 for the spine. Yeah. If 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 a patient should be able to turn 90 degrees to the side and they can only turn 30 and I give them an adjustment, and they can turn further, that's what it's for. That's how I treat it. Mm-hmm. It may have many other benefits, but that's the way I use that tool. And then in the let strength the weak things side, it's all exercise, and I just plug in the thing, the missing things that I think they're, they can benefit from. So that's my method. That's awesome. And we're talking about strengthening with exercise. Are we doing things you could see at the gym, TheraBands, or if we saw you working, you'd be like, uh, dude, I never thought of that before. That's really cutting edge. You, yes, you can do them in a gym. No, you don't need a gym. So you can kind of do them anywhere is, is what I mean. And in my rehab room, I have zero machines and zero weights. And yet we rehab, you know, post-op everything, right? And just regular stuff, headaches and, you know, back pain and plantar fasciitis, tennis elbow. I mean, all that stuff. Right. And the tools, the actual tools that you, the equipment you need that I have, I have a tumbling mat to lay on, <laughs> a mat on the floor to do floor work with, a Swiss ball, okay. or a couple of them, right? Those big balls that people sit on and stuff. Yeah. A stability trainer. So I use the TheraBand. It's just a piece of foam, you know, about like this big. And it's a balance trainer. Oh, yeah, okay. And foam roller, lacrosse ball, and uh, elastic bands. Okay. Those are literally the only rehab tools I have. And Coincidentally, all of them are super low tech and really cheap. Yeah. So the patient could do it at their house, continue it. Exactly. That is the idea. Now, it so happens that, you know, you can pay 100 grand for a, a Hanoon machine, um, which is a super fancy neck and back rehab machine, 100 grand for it. Or I can, I bet I can beat their results with a Hanoon with my, you know, $20 form roller and stuff like that. So, and, the patient doesn't have a Hanoon that they can touch themselves up with in the future. Right. The low-tech, no-tech stuff pays off bigger and is cheaper, and they can do it on their own. I, you know, I think we get excited for kettlebells, and we get excited to see people do certain uh-huh. things, especially athlete, no athlete. It's just We'll just stick with athletes just because it's easier. You can kind of see them saying, look, 
I used to do this. I can't do that now. Mm-hmm. Okay, now I can do it again. Mm-hmm. And bands aren't going to mm-hmm. quote get me there. But if you get really into band work, there's different ways. I'm sure like you can do two or three bands if it's not strong enough. You can buy those floss bands right. that are a centimeter thick where you get massive resistance. And yeah. I guess you can get super creative with the different motions that you can do. Because if you can just get into a position where they need it, you know, like, yeah, just twist your body a little bit. Oh, there it is. Yeah, now I'll do it. Oh, wow. Okay, I'm really weak there. Now I can make, I can feel it. Uh-huh. That's my guessing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it, that's the thing. You're, you're right. They're very versatile. Mm-hmm. You know, you can stand on them and do curls. You can wrap them behind your back and do presses. Now, I will say this. I only give my patients two band exercises. And I only use them for shoulder. In fact, in shoulder, my shoulder rehab program only has two exercises. Okay. And they're both done with bands. And the rest are things that require no equipment. Okay. But the two exercises I can tell you right now, they're a middle row. Okay. Which is pulling and squeeze with chest out for a whole second and then release. And then something I call a goal post, which is the bands are about chest height and they pull back and pause in the position of a football goalpost for a whole second, and then they lower their hands, elbows stay up, which address those between those two extra, those hit the two most commonly neglected muscles around the shoulder, which are retractors of the shoulder, which is this, yep. and external rotators, which is this. And if you think about it, and I know your listeners can't see this, but you can, <laughs> but if you think about it, most of our day we spend in the, in the opposite position. So, protracted yeah hunched over yes over computer so it only makes sense that the muscles that do this hunch over position are relatively stronger than the opposite ones and then the strong ones win and we get slouchy but if you catch up the weak ones not only does posture improve but you get this support and protection back here that you were missing so i just plug in the missing thing basically who didn't see it you know when you uh Flex your biceps <laughs> off to the side, and you're like, yeah, I'm so strong. Or like I said, a goalpost, pretty much your shoulders and elbows are both 90 degrees. That was the motion. So that's pretty interesting. You know, it's funny to see sometimes how complicated we make something. And then yes, obviously what you're saying, I think it's a little bit probably simplified because there's always those nuances uh-huh. that you've learned over the last you know 20 years of actually, you know, it ends up being a little bit more complicated because you're actually able to see what they're doing. And then you modify and you modify sure. and stuff like that. So Based on when we're recording this versus when it comes out, Durant on the Warriors just uh-huh. ruptured his Achilles. Who knows? We don't know yet. Do you have any opinion about about that? Did you see it at all? I did not see that happen. Um, it's they generally call it a, a Achilles rupture. He and planted it, and it. Yeah. So yeah, he stepped backwards and then it popped. You can see the muscles just start jiggling. You're like, ooh. Yeah, and that's the mechanism of injury for that injury, by the way. So what will happen is, and I've seen and treated, I've diagnosed several on the football field, actually. And volleyball is huge. Yeah, so the way it happens, and again, no one, the listeners can't see this, but if you're standing and if you imagine stepping back with one foot, like you're gonna about to back up, and then bouncing out forward off that back foot all in one motion, step back, bounce forward. It's a lot of stress. It, it's a sudden and I guess perhaps unprepared loading of that tendon, that's the way it happens. Now, um, I have a soccer player recently who blew his, and everyone, every patient you have that has this injury, when you when they, they come in and they say they had it, they're going to describe the feeling as someone shot them or threw a rock and hit them in the back of their ankle, 
they'll it always be they'll turn around and look to see if somebody kicked them. They always are convinced that someone attacked them some in some way because it's such a sudden kind of crisp impact feeling. So uh, uh, the last soccer player I had who had an Achilles rupture, he said I was dribbling along with the ball. And, and then he said, someone kicked me and I turned around and there was no one around me. And I started yelling at people and they're like, no, man, you were by yourself. And then sure enough, he was, he ruptured. Yeah. So it's, Any it's, idea how to like prevent that? Cause if yes. you're an athlete and that's an option, Ooh, absolutely. It didn't just happen. So yes, there is the risky launch back, launch forward, or launch forward off a back foot um, that we just described, you know, maybe modify, avoid that. Don't do it quite as explosively, but Think about it. Achilles is a tendon, right? Tendon is just, it's, it's the end of the calf muscle. So the calf muscle tapers down, becomes the Achilles, and attaches at the heel. So the a tendon is just the way a muscle attaches to a bone so it can then move it. And calves and, and, and Achilles, or any tendon, need to have some elasticity to them. Now, the reason they need elasticity is so they can soak up that impact instead of just snapping like a brittle twig, you know? So... Remember, we were just saying flexibility problems are the number one problem for all patients with moving parts issues or musculoskeletal issues, which means they're not elastic. So it just means they're, they're more likely to snap than give and soak up the impact. So improving calf and Achilles flexibility. And there are two – I have two calf stretch. I have an upper calf stretch and a lower calf stretch, which is an Achilles stretch that I tell patients to do. So that's making sure the equipment can absorb the impact. That's what that addresses. Now, also, you can strengthen tendons themselves, meaning a tendon has, like, if you've ever been fishing, you know, you've got, like, 12-pound test, right? Right. You've got fishing line that has a certain amount of weight it will bear. Well, tendons have a certain amount of weight that will bear, too. You can increase the amount of weight your own tendons will bear by doing eccentric loading. So eccentric is the down part of any movement, essentially. So if you were doing a curl and you pulled the weight up towards your chest, that's the concentric part. And then when you lower the weight back down towards your thighs, that's the eccentric part, or people call it a negative. Yeah, the so, bicep curl. Yes. Yeah, the negative part of that movement. So what you do is you exaggerate the down part of a calf raise or a heel it's raise. Like a stair, right? Like if you're stepping on the side of a stair and you're on your toes Absolutely. and you really get lower. So for example, in our example of the Achilles – I would have them stand with a forefoot, one forefoot on a step, holding on to something, railing or something for balance, go up to full tiptoe height, and then spend six seconds lowering all the way down to a dead hang, and then return. Pass level. Yes. To Yeah. So their heel as low as it will go, and then stand all the way up to tiptoe, and then six seconds down again. And then um, I will have them do one set that ends when they can no longer reach full tiptoe height. Oh, it's a long time. <laughs> it's not as long as you really? think. It's not as long as you think. Ten of those is a workout, Okay, my I'm going to do that today. <laughs> it's, and, and I'll have them do that once, maybe twice a week. And what you'll find is that week over week, you can do a few more reps before you – like first week, maybe you can do it in mm -hmm. eight Second week, maybe 10, and then 12. So essentially, your, your calf is getting stronger, but your Achilles is getting stronger too, which means it can withstand more load and is less likely to fail. So that's a really long answer to your question. Do you find <laughs> that it could be partly a, like a knee biomechanics is, is off as well? 
Absolutely. We don't live in a vacuum. If one, right, yeah. So anything can contribute to anything else, and the closer it, the closer that other part is to the injured part, the more the bigger potential effect it can have. So you're right. Let's say if you're if you had zero mobility in your knee and you're trying to run, well, what's going to happen is you're just going to be bouncing off your calves everywhere, off your toes, right? Because you can't bend your knee, you have to get that movement somehow. So that's an extreme example that illustrates your point, which is yes, if my knee doesn't track right, or if I don't my glutes are too weak and then I'm trusting my calves to propel me forward more. So essentially, yes, you're absolutely right. That's where the assessment comes in too. You watch them do something and yes. you're like, you can't squat. You squat and your knee you know, goes off to the side like that's not good or it goes too far in. You're like, that's, that's a problem right there. It's a foot. Your foot hurts. Right. Your calf hurts, but really you got a whole other thing going on. So basically my approach is they got an Achilles injury. I look at every possible contributor to that injury, which is basically from, we'll say, ribs down. Hips, lumbar spine, knee, quad, glute, all that stuff, IT band, calves, foot and ankle. And I just catalog any deficits that I see, whether they're mobility or strength. And then we just plug in the fix for those things. And then we have more workers online to cover for that injured part. Because if the rest of your muscles are stronger, then the Achilles has to do less work. Because that workload is being shared across more workers, right? And there, and you get more performance because you got more workers, and it's less likely to hurt any one spot because no one spot is doing that much. There we go. If that makes sense. Well, we definitely went on a rabbit hole today, and that is that is oh, great. Man. <laughs> I hope somebody learned something today, especially the you know I mentioned but in the pre roll. You're like I really like you know the way the podcast set up for maybe new grads, but I think you know whoever's listening to this if they're getting into more rehab and all that focus, they're like, oh, okay. They just learn something to grab onto and learn more about. You know, sometimes we just, you got to yeah. hear something sometimes and you're like, what are they talking about? Oh, I get that. Okay, now I know where to at least go focus my attention on YouTube, watch some videos or take a course or whatever and, and, and learn something. Yeah. Very good. For, for doctors who are struggling or just starting out, what are some of the things that they should do? It doesn't have to be a lot, like just one or two, that you find after having so much experience that they should definitely look into? Now, there's a couple ways you can struggle. Uh, I'm guessing the most common kind that most people are going to be interested in is struggling financially, trying to keep the doors open, try to get enough patients to pay yourself and your staff and your rent, right? So... Is that the, is that kind of what you're meaning mostly behind your question there? Yeah, we can do that. Let's go with that. Yeah, starting off is the tough part, obviously, because you're starting with zero patients. <laughs> you know, we all that's where we all start. I will say this: for a new grad or a soon-to-be grad, do what I did, if at all possible, which is find an existing doctor in practice who is willing to. Here's what that a doc did for me: he he paid me to be his exam doc. So basically, I shot his X-rays, I did his exams, I did you know therapies on his patients, whatever, and he paid me you know whatever three grand a month. And he said, in the off time, when we're outside of our normal clinic hours, you can see and treat your own patients in our, in our office using our staff to bill and all of our equipment and so on. You can see your own patients during the off business hours and build your own practice that way. And he said, in exchange for that, I would pay him 40% of what I collect. On top of okay, Does that make that's sense? Interesting. So he's paying me. And then I'm paying him a, per, a portion of what I make from my patients. He's paying me for treating his patients 
and he's allowing me to build my own practice and then he takes a portion of that, which is at 40% is a great deal because if you think about it, if you were to go start your own, open your own shop, your overhead is going to be way more than 40%. Right, right. I mean, it's going to be close. That's the normal amount that I tell people they ask about becoming an associate or like independent contractor. I'm like, you should aim for at least 40 because you're not going to get much more than that, but you don't want to go to like 20 because then you you just you might as well just, just get a different job because that's going to be way too much work to get a salary that you can survive on. Yeah. And I mean, on the first day you open when you have no patients, your overhead is 100 percent of your, yeah, of your revenue, yeah. you know, but hopefully you work it down. But but so what that let me do was um, build a practice at a pace I could handle you know, and not go broke and not get evicted from a, a place if I had my own place. And then I ended up out, outgrowing his office because my practice got big enough. And then I opened my own, which is I've had for eight, eight years now, I guess, something like that. That's really strange that he would like that because normally we're always no compete or at least try, like one mile. What can I grab onto legally that I can enforce? Right. I know this guy's going to just take all my patients. You know, there's always that fear. Right. And he's just embracing it already saying no i expect that you're going to do this so and the you're right and i think the non-compete thing is kind of it's hard to enforce it's a it's hard to enforce yeah and but the other thing too is i didn't take any of his patients all i did was go open up my own shop with my own patients and and for him he he should want he is incentivized to want me to succeed while i'm in his office because the more money i make the more he makes and it costs him nothing you know, I, I'm just free money coming in. You want to work 70 hours a week, buddy? Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. So it costs him nothing. So it is a win-win for both he and I. And if any of the any of your listeners who are uh, soon-to-be grads or new grads, just approach. These days, times are hard. You know, they always are. Approach any established doc, especially if you have a rapport with them or you know them or you, you respect the way they practice or it looks like, uh, especially if they have space, you know, someone you'd like to spend time with. And just ask them, say, hey. I'll make this deal with you. Or do you need an associate or any associate job that comes up and you're considering, see if they will do that as well. You know, I hadn't thought about, I can't imagine why they wouldn't. That just made me think too. I'm always trying to be creative and like, you know, maybe go work at a massage therapist clinic and start there, you know, start small or rent space in a, you know, another chiropractor's Uh office. That's an interesting idea. If you're willing to work some strange hours, you might find a, a chiropractic office that you like that's set up the way you would want it to be. Mm-hmm. And just approach them, you know, 50-50 split, 40-60 split, something after hours, and you just work on Saturdays. Now, your family life might be a little strange for a while because you're off until like 6 o'clock at night and you only work 3 or 4 hours a day. I don't know how that would play out. But it's something to get started and you can experiment. It's a, where there's not the, the risk of complete failure just around the corner yeah. at all times, which if you, you know, if you get a lease on a place yourself, it's going to be at least a six-month lease a year lease, you're locked into that thing and you're on the hook for that stuff. Even if you fail after three months, they're going to come after you for the rest of that money. Mm-hmm. Now, you may not have it, but they're coming after you anyway. So that all that risk is gone if you do it this way we're talking about. And it's a, it's an easy, it seems like it would be an easy sell for the hiring doctor, the hiring doctor of an associate to do that. Because like I was saying, it's free money for them. Very interesting. I did work for a year and a half as a just straight up associate in a group practice right out of school. That's what I did. I, I really do recommend that approach because it lets you get both some experience working with real patients and seeing how that they they treat your you know your 
uh, your attending or clinic director treats and how they want you to treat. You're going to develop your own thoughts on how you like things done. It may not be the way they're making you do it, which was the case with me. I really didn't like the approaches um, that we took, but it really informed what I did want to do going forward once I started on my own. I'm not, a, I'm not opposed to the associates, you know, getting out of school and going to do that because, like you said, there's so much you don't know or you could fine-tune, especially how to communicate. Because, my goodness, you could be a marketing machine and they just run right out the back door because you don't know what to tell them to make them understand this is what's wrong with you and this is why you should come in. And I'm not mm-hmm. talking like no crazy 20-visit package. I'm just saying even – Four to six visits, if you don't know how to communicate what you're doing, they might be gone in two. And yep. that's not yep. great either. So if you can learn that on somebody else's dime. And another little Absolutely. another soapbox, and I think a, a group that I'm in, we, we say the same thing. You should be paying your associates well. Not like crazy well, but they shouldn't have to mm-hmm. worry about, a, should I go bartend after hours mm-hmm. because yeah. you don't even pay me enough to cover my basic living. And that seems to be... Something that happens, and luckily we are seeing a trend where you know these doctors, I guess, are waiting before they can say, "Okay, I can afford it now." Here's sixty grand or fifty-five thousand or something like that, plus bonuses, and now we can, you know, focus more on patient care versus, "Okay, what do I do this month?" Because I can't even cover it all. So it's just frustrating to me. All right? Um, do you market at all? Any tips for that? I rely almost, com- uh, I'll say, super heavily on Yelp and Google. Mm reviews. And I will say that that is the cheapest. Well, there, I mean, they are free, both of them. And it is a place that potential patients turn to more and more. I mean, you know, if you're looking for who's the best mechanic on my side of town, you know, you'll go look at Google or Yelp. I don't know. Do you guys have Yelp there in China? Uh, no, we have, you know, we got our own, they got their own, everything they have is a knockoff of, as you can imagine. Okay. But a review. Yeah. yeah, We get it. And, and basically, my, my, that's the single best thing you can do is start accumulating reviews because time is going to go by regardless. And they come very slowly, but they will accumulate. You got a lot of Yelp and reviews. Just remember, I was looking at I was like, this guy must be paying Yelp a lot to, uh, to keep him all current. To not. Because I've heard Yelp's kind of crazy, but uh, you got a lot of reviews, like 80 are. or something like that. That's a, that takes effort. And it does. And guess what? I don't pay them anything. Mm. And you're right that they don't show – uh, let's see. I think they don't show it's I'll, I'll look here, but it's something it's so it's something like 80 reviews are hidden. So I think I have 70 something show 75 showing, but there are 80 hidden That's a ton. So basically, I think, yes, yes. So it's very frustrating, but it is worth it. Just stick with it. Keep the ones you have. But here's what I'll say there. The best practice to get them is when you release a patient from care and they are at their happiest that's when you send them a little short – I do a little form email. It's just a, um, it's just a canned response in my Gmail. I, I just write the email once and it basically says, by the way, so-and-so, congrats on your recovery. You put in the hard work. I'm really happy with your results so far. If you have a second, would you mind rating us on Google or Yelp? Here's how to find us. And, of course, if you don't have time, it's no problem. Regardless, if you ever have questions, let me know. That's the email. And I just send it to every happy patient. And they just start accumulating. So on... on uh, You don't even automate it. It's just, oh, yeah, this guy's finished. This girl's finished. Yep. Send. Yep. For the guests listening, there's a couple of podcast episodes further back that actually have people that do this. Like episode uh, 98 and 99. You can pay people to have it all set up automated in case you're like, I ain't doing all that. I'm not supposed to remember all of that kind of stuff. 
I have the cheapskate version. It's free my way, but um, <laughs> and, and it's worked for me so far. Oh, I wanted to ask you. So you've, I mean, volleyball, I understand how you can get into that. Like if you're into volleyball, you're in, at events, you already play it. You're an athlete in that area. Natural to start treating your friends. Right. Friends know people and all of a sudden now you're, you know, you're hooked up at the AVP and you're like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> but the part that Justin is curious about is you do stuff with bands. Is that common or is it just a one-time thing? What is up with that? It's kind of a fluky thing. So they called me out of the blue. So there are companies whose job it is to manage healthcare for road shows, like b big bands that travel, right? And yeah, they get some carpal tunnel or something while they get guitar picking. Yeah, and so they may get massage therapists or chiropractors or medical doctors, whatever. And so this person's job is to locate and court get the the healthcare that the band members need. In this case, it was uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars, which. Here, here in the U.S., their music is played all the time. It's uh, Jared Leto, who's an Academy Award winner, by the way, Oscar winner, and yeah. his brother, Shannon Leto, who's the drummer for the band. And uh, interesting story. So the lady just called me who runs this company, and she said, she said, hey, I've, I've got the band in town. She'd actually called me for uh, Trans-Siberian Orchestra also several years ago and said, we may need you. They're going to be in town. That's a lot of people. Yeah. That would have been a job. We may need you. Hire somebody, <laughs> right? And they ended up. No one ended up needing me, so I didn't get to go. But but they did this time. But she said, and I looked around. And it looks like you're the best chiropractor in town. Would you want to do this job? And it pays two hundred fifty dollars for an hour's work. So I was like, yeah, right. I'll do that. Now the interesting. So I guess she just looked me up online. So again, that goes back to reviews. All those reviews, yes. man. Yes. So that's how you asked. How do you get these crazy gigs? It's the reviews. Dr. Bachman, yeah. laying it down heavy. <laughs> but, so I got there, and I worked on Shannon. He's just wonderful dude. He's super fit, super clean and everything, um, and uh, really nice guy. Did some work on his shoulder. He had rotator cuff tendonitis. And then he said, he said, hey, man, you know, drumming is hard work, and I wanted to know if you would mind watching me play and just see if you had any tips or tricks for me um, after I'm done like as to how I could protect my shoulder. And I was like, sure. He said, come on out with me. So I walk on stage with the band. Oh my gosh. And he's like, here, you can stay, you can stand right here. And then so I'm standing right next to the drum kit. And then it is a packed arena laid before me. It was a surreal moment. And I stood there and listened and watched the entire concert. My goodness. So it's, it's, if, if you develop a reputation, which again comes with time, more and more of these these kinds of things just kind of fall in your lap. Um, the AVP, they gave me a call for that too. So the Pro Volleyball Tour has been in Austin now three years in a row, and they call me every year when they're coming and ask if I'll do it. Of course I do. I don't get paid anything for that, but I get to work on Olympic gold medalists and all my favorite athletes, and they, we all know each other now. We get to joke around, and then I also get to do courtside medical, which is cool, and actually watch the players, you know, if they – I mean, when I think about the, all the work that you got to do or potentially could do in a weekend when you're not going to get paid, do you get to put like AVP preferred doctor, you know, like New Orleans Saints preferred, you know, chiropractor type of stuff? In answer to that. What do you call that? Yeah, like uh, like advertise that. Sponsorship. Spon yeah, like you get the ability to put that on stuff? No. In, in the wording you gave me, they're actually very strict about how we can describe it. So basically – I, I describe what I do 
is I'm on the AVP medical support team. Uh, it's a diff- different team in every city. So like on our team for, and, and I can say that I can't say that I'm an official AVP doctor. I cannot say official anything, uh. but I can say I'm a doctor on the, the AVP medical support team. Okay. So you can use that for some advertising oh, yeah. inadvertently. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. You know, I almost did that for the, uh, the Olympics. It, the do tour, like oh. snowboarding oh. For, for the X games and stuff like that. They yeah. were like, you can apply and do all this kind of stuff. And at that point in my career, I was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not ready to work on Sean White or something like that. I was like, nah, I know where I'm at. <laughs> you, you know what? You know what I'll tell you, man? Next time that happens, just do it. You're going to be yeah, terrified. Now I will. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now you would. But I mean, anyone who gets an opportunity like that, just do it. That's what I did. I took on tons of stuff I was not qualified for and I was terrified. But once you do it, you, you really care about doing a good job and you'll learn from it. And then it makes you want to learn more how to fix that same thing when the opportunity comes again. So it's a great motivator. And also, once you do the scary thing and you don't die, <laughs> then yeah. it becomes next scary the next anyone? time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> I didn't die. That's true. Yes. Oh my goodness. Hey, what's what's exciting you for the future? What you got? You got any five year goals that you're looking forward to? I do. I've actually taught uh, two courses, two CE courses for the ACA, the American Chiropractic Association, on their uh, Learn ACA platform. So they have. I've taught two rehab courses. My low back rehab program is on there. And I get no money for that. They're we- they were webinar formats, but you can watch them on demand. And ACA gets all the proceeds. So it's just kind of me helping them out. But it's also fun for me to do. It's a resume builder. Uh, yeah. And I'm starting a series of live seminars that that's the thing I'm most excited about because it's te- I'll have three. They're low back, neck and shoulder, and knee rehab protocols. And they'll be live hands-on. Um, and I know this, this is effectively a plug, but you asked what I'm most excited about. And I am most excited about this. They're all going to be in Texas for now, but, um, I'd like to expand that, but they're live hands on and we'll take you from consult to report of findings to exam or exam report of findings. And then it take you all the way through each step of the patient encounter, all the way through the rehab process, the progressions, and then return to play prevention and release from care. Uh, so, and every everything that I do with patients, we will all do together. So every exercise, every stretch, every bit of massage and myofascial release, everyone will get to do and have hands-on experience with that. So I'm excited about spreading this approach so that all chiropractors can use it, and physical therapists if they want to come too. But um, that's the thing I am most excited about. Now, I would also, I want to be, you're my first podcast I've ever been on. And I'm okay. super stoked. That was you were one of my goals, by the way, to be ah. on a podcast. And you graciously invited me. And so I thank you for that. I do want to be I want to be on Joe Rogan. <laughs> I want to be on Joe Rogan. I want to do a TED Talk. So I mean, my goals are like they're they're up there. And who knows if I'll achieve them. But those are those are the things that I want in the next five to 10 years. Well, TED Talk seems to be doable. Yeah. If you watch enough, you can kind of, I don't want to say hack the system, but you can definitely find a way to do it. Uh, we've had two on the show inadvertently. Wow. Like one guy got on for marketing, one guy got on for chiropractic, and he had like, he was was interesting. He had a um, like a innate intelligence-ish type, which I'm not a big fan of that word, but 
yeah. he was able to, pro- to, to to package that for kids and have a talk about that. And I was like, huh, interesting. It's all about how you present something. So just giving that that encouragement that you know that's what you want to do. There's those TEDx events. I'm pretty sure there's an Austin one. You may have to go to someplace else. Austin might be too intense for the first time, but right, uh, right, you know. Because, you know, Austin's a hotbed. They got so much stuff going on over right, there. Right, right. We'll see. I'll be terrified. But if I get a chance, You just have to run into like Tim Ferriss somewhere. Yeah. That's what you got to do. Yes. Hey, Tim. That's right. <laughs> you know who I am? <laughs> you need to know. <laughs> you need to know. Um, so the seminars that you're going to put on, it sounds to me like you show up. I don't know if it's a two-day or a one-day. but a so one-day, eight-hour. Come hour. Monday. Yep. Eight-hour, one-day. Perfect. Monday morning, you're going to have a lot of notes. But you can really just hit the, hit the ground yes. running. And it sounds to me like... It could be somebody who's looking to get their feet wet. Maybe they were an innate intelligence doctor. Uh-huh. Maybe they're like, ah, you know what? I need a change. I need to do rehab. I need to be more evidence-based. My patients deserve better. And they're like, now what do I do? Like, I don't know where to go, what to start with. Maybe I need to go check this guy out. It's only one day. Yep. And then from there, they can actually build. If they feel like, wow, yeah, a couple months later, maybe I need to build more on it. Okay, cool. There's all these seminars you can do. Or, no, I feel great. Let me do this for a few years and... Get people better. Right. And that's exactly how I think you're right. It's either for someone who's been, you know, maybe they've just worked on spines and they're really good at fixing backs and necks and and so on. But they want to add some more tools in their tool bag that they can use to fix patients, either their current patients or a whole new population of patients that wouldn't come to them for knee pain, for example, or for, you know post-op anything. So you can grow your practice and profitability and the benefit that you can give other patients in the community if you have more tools in your tool bag. And that's kind of how that's how I think about this. It just it lets me choose a more precise tool for things rather than just spinal manip and just you know and then the electrostim, ultrasound, traction, uh, heat, nice stuff, which those have usefulness, but their usefulness is low, lower than some of these other tools that are available. Hey, like, you should be doing two very, very much. A couple visits, some e-stem, and then, you know, move on. Yeah. That's kind of how it looks at it. Yeah. And we'd be remiss without saying, doing, they might already be doing some kind of rehab because they know they can get paid for it. But if you're doing real, some real stuff and you can feel confident like you're doing a real service, you can double your practice right there because that's a whole other charge. Yes. And extremities is another charge. You're right. And insurance companies pay way more for the rehab stuff, like the therapeutic exercise, for example, they may pay 30 bucks for that. Whereas for, you know, East End, they're going to pay what, six, four dollars, yeah. something like it that. Takes yeah. So a little more time, but you get way more money. Yeah. So the reason the insurance companies pay more is because it's, that is more effective. That yeah, does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you a, a cash practice? Do you encourage insurance? What's your thoughts? We're almost, uh, we'll accept cash, but we're mostly insurance based. So, it's probably something like 90% insurance, major medical. Are you happy with that? Do you feel like you, if you could do it over, would you get out? Or at this point, what are your thoughts? You know, yeah, you're right. So, so of course, there's benefits and drawbacks to each. I fantasize about a cash practice, I will say that, <laughs> because everything is so much simpler. You know, you need fewer staff. Like right now, I only have one staff member. And she's amazing, and she's a certified billing specialist, and she's great at what she do she does, and she's worked for me for twelve years. But that's impressive. Uh, but I pay her a lot of money, you know. And if I, I would, you know, I'm not looking forward to letting. You still need one person. We should have one yeah, person. You do, but 
do you need a $60,000 a year person or do you need a $30,000 a year person to answer phones and schedule? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, so mm-hmm. that would be the difference between an insurance versus cash base. Um, you can hire some, like a, you know, a high school intern or, you know, someone who's not specially skilled and therefore requires a bigger salary to answer phones and book appointments with cash practice. And plus you get your money immediately. You can, you can make deals and practice and prices. You don't have to worry about contract prices and all that. You don't have to worry about audits, you know, so it is very attractive, but it's, it's in my, it's my background that I think about. We'll just see how the healthcare landscape shapes up going forward. Of course, it's kind of getting crazier and crazier as far as major medical coverage and Obamacare and all that. Are you finding that, okay, you take insurance. That's great. Uh, back in the day, it was a $20 copay, but these <laughs> days they're pretty much going to be paying the full price because they have a deductible that has to be met. Yes. Yes. Is it just an easier conversation? You're like, look, you need six visits. Your insurance won't cover, you know, you got to pay meet your deductible. So you're still going to come out about 75 bucks a visit. And once it's met, it'll drop down to your 20% or whatever it is. But yeah, you're still looking at $75 a visit. So are you asking, is it easier to be able to, since the deductibles are so high and everybody knows that and is used to that? Yeah, because everybody ends up being de facto, you're kind of a de facto cash practice because of the high deductibles. Are you noticing that it affects treatment plans or people having a hard, harder time committing to the care? For us, not as much as I think other PT shops or chiropractic offices that have bigger plans. So just so you know, my my average, I looked over 2018. I looked at every single patient I'd had. And by the way, in 2018, I had 660 or 80 new patients. And our average treatment per patient or visits per patient was 2.69. That's it? That's I'm all six six is great. <laughs> six I is low. know. And so because, but that's my release criteria, by the way, is the patient is 80% better. They're equipped to get the remaining progress on their own and they're equipped to not need me again. And once I feel that they've, they've reached that, then I release them. So, so we're getting well really fast. Do you do like a follow-up in a couple, in like a two months to make sure they're still where they're at? I usually don't. I usually don't. I do tell them that they, all my patients have my personal cell phone and they have my email and they are, have orders to call or email me if they ever have questions. I tell them email and most of them are good about that. And then if it looks like it's just, if they have a problem, they email me and it's, it's a little tweak. I just send it to them. If not, I say, come on in. But my point to answer your question, our average collection per new patient, per patient is $255. Okay. <laughs> it's a terrible, it's, that's a lifetime Visit average, I think that's what it is. Is that what Dollar, they call it? Yeah. Our average collections per patient is $255. So with a cost that low, pretty much anyone will agree to do that. So we don't have a lot of drop-off because of the high deductibles, just because, like you said, it is effectively a, it's a de facto cash practice already, and they, they're like, we'll invest that for well, – when you, when you can say, hey, three visits, you know, right. 2.6, that means some people got four yeah. and some people only had two. You know, so there's def- or even uh, one. one. Yeah, so there's definitely okay. I had interviewed a guy. He goes, Logan was better in four or come no more, something like that. And that that's his theory too. Is like, if I can't get you seeing results or whatever in four visits, he's like, I'm not doing my job right. I like that approach. So that's a different viewpoint than a lot of places where it's come a lot. <laughs> or well, and that viewpoint you just quoted there happens to be the very thing the patient cares most about is Mm -hmm. they came to you because they don't feel good and they can't do things. 
all they really care about is I want to feel better and be able to do things. And if that it happens to be your goal as well and you're measuring your effectiveness on that scale, they're going to love you because they're like, hey, this guy wants exactly what I want. So I'm going to do whatever he says. And your system does have like a like a pre-check and then, you know, two visits, four visits, whatever it is. They're, they've met the goal that we wanted. Now, that might take eight visits because you had a, a torn, torn Achilles. That's obviously going to take more than two visits. So there's some way to yep, yep. quantify this. Yes, there is. You That is an excellent question. So I use an outcomes assessment tool for that. So there are many, many, right? There's a neck ostwestry and the low back. Morris. I forget all the name. Roland Morris. Born yep, mouth, yep. whatever. Yes. And I, I use the PSFS, which is the patient-specific functional okay. scale. It was recommended to me by the head of research hmm. at TCC. Uh, her name is Cheryl Hawk, and I was asking her for the best tool to, to kind of quantify my results that I get with patients. She said this one. And it happens to be super easy to administer. Patients get it. And it's, 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 it, I do it right there in my patient notes. So the way it works is day one, after consult, but before exam, you ask the patient, what are the three activities you are most limited from because of your pain? And so let's say if they have, they're there for low back pain, it's going to be putting on pants and shoes and socks in the morning, getting up and down from a chair, or putting clothes in the, in the dryer. Perfect. Right, for example. So those are three common activities that are painful. And I'll say now, give me a score for each of those for how well you can do them. Zero is I cannot do them at all. Ten, I can do those things as easily and comfortably as I ever have. So low number is worse. So if, if zeros can't do it at all and they say, oh, I, can, I have to have my wife put my pants and shoes on for me, then that's – and I'll say a two, right? So then you get three numbers. You add them together and divide by three. So let's say it was a two, three, and four with the scores they gave us. So that means the average is going to be a three. And I believe if my math is right. So that's their initial functional score. Then when I, the day I release them, I ask them the same questions. And let's say they're like, uh, it's a seven, eight, and nine. So then the average there is an eight. So they went from a three to an eight. So they had an improvement of five functional points, which is actually a really big improvement on that scale. And then I track all those. I'm kind of obsessive, but I track all those in a spreadsheet on Google Sheets and I'm keeping data on them. And then I, I want to publish a case series on my results. Once I get, I'm up around a hundred and I don't know, 120 patients so far that I've been doing this with 120 new patients. That's starting to be a pretty good number there. It's a nice little in sample value. Yeah. Nice in number. So I want to wait till I maybe get 200 and then publish a case series on it. And these are all injuries, all body parts, pre, post-op, knees, neck, shoulders, back, wherever. I'm lumping them all together because I'm using the same treatment method for, for all. So I'm trying to evaluate my treatment methods versus, say, physical therapists or other chiropractors. Or That's too is you can compare this Achilles person versus the other 15 Achilles persons I treated this year and why – did half of those not get better or they only improved two? Like what's up with that? Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Then you can reevaluate yourself too. You're like, Oh, I changed something halfway through the year or I learned something or whatever. And absolutely. Well, let's switch gears. You ready? You got the questions ahead of time. Let's yeah. get a little personal. You ready for this? Sure. Okay. You're in the great city of Austin. They say, keep it weird. Uh huh. <laughs> they do say vacationing. That. Yeah, they make you. <laughs> Vacation and 
Are you able to take any? What are you What are you doing to disconnect from the office? So I did in February. I went to Puerto Rico, actually. Oh. And uh, I I used actually it was a very cheap trip too. So what I did is I did you do a timeshare where you had to listen to a, an hour presentation? No, but that can work. I've done that before too. <laughs> I went on a on an overnight stay to the Bahamas on one of those. Yeah, no, you just just keep saying no. <laughs> Yes, just keep saying no. And, and they have to give it to you. So I have done that, but not I didn't do that on this time. But I, I signed up for a card, the Southwest Airlines Chase card. And if they had a special going. If you sign up for the card, they give you 50,000 miles. Oh, that's a lot. On the card. Right. And then all I do is I buy all of my gas and groceries. And for a while, it let me pay my rent that way. So I got tons of miles. So I got my airfare free, and I've got like – it's just piling up. I have tons of airfare and you can use it for rental cars and stuff too. So that was really cheap and spent a week there and then stayed in Airbnbs, which are cheaper than hotels, by the way. And more comfortable typically. More comfortable and you get to live like a local. And then we prepared our own food. We didn't eat out as much as we might usually. Um, so that ended up being an affordable, fun getaway. And it it's really a lot. Puerto Rico's yeah, so that's something. And then I also like little staycations, I call them, mm-hmm. or other people call them, which is maybe go camping. Right? There's a place called Inks Lake or um, a campground somewhere and may go there and camp out just you know on a Saturday night and then wake up and grill over the fire. That stuff is fun. Or go tubing down the river, for example, which is cheap as well. There we go. I like it, the idea is like you don't have to go on these extravagant vacations, you know, to to have a good time. You know, I think with Chase, I don't with my own card that I have, if you book through their website, you can get 20% more value on your points for for airfare. But I was checking really? sometimes and I was like, that's great, but it wasn't even cheaper. So I was like, if I used kayak, I can actually get a better price yeah. versus yours. But every now and then that's not the case where you just, you know, if you do two churches, one, I get 20% more points value. The other one is just, okay, it doesn't count, so I'm going to just get the get the car. Yeah. Points are overlooked, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, and some cards have better deals than others, but but I've, I've been very happy with that. They just keep piling up, so all my airfares are going to be free. Yeah. I don't fly that often. This is, a, this is random, too, just from what we're talking about. With my card, if you knew, like, I'm going to go shop on Walmart, I'm going to go shop at buy some Bose speakers or a whole bunch, like, there's like 200 stores. If you actually go through their portal, through Chase or whatever bank, you know, you probably have the same situation and you click that and you go to buy whatever you're going to buy on that. For every dollar you spend, you can get two, five, ten points extra. Wow. Yeah. So Home Depot. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, because like I think Home Depot, Lowe's. That means you just get 10 times the points for the same dollar that you spent. And all you had to do was inconvenience yourself a little bit instead of just going on Amazon. Okay. I'm going to definitely check that out. That's something I've been leaving on the table. Thanks for the tip, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So random. (laughs) Homework, life balance, hobbies, volunteering. What you got for us? So um, first of all, I have a very easy schedule. So I set my own schedule, obviously. So I work five days a week. But only two of those are full days. The rest are just mornings. So Monday and Wednesday, I'm 7.30 to 6. Tuesday, Thursday, 7.30 to noon. Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. What do you do the rest of the day? Man, so I can, <laughs> like I went to the gym earlier. 
Um, I shot some videos for my YouTube channel, which uh, that's another great marketing thing that I didn't mention when you were talking about yeah, it. Like you're just getting started with that. Yeah. So I would recommend, but I shot like five or six videos for my YouTube channel that I'll be posting over the next you know week. And I caught, I talked to my mom. I mean, you just do the stuff during the day, during a weekday that you don't always have an opportunity to do. So sometimes I'll take a nap. Um, or yeah, I play, I play volleyball. So, um, I usually play, on um, Thursdays and Fridays and then I played a t- volleyball tournament last Saturday. Hey, real quick, these short hours, you've been in business for quite a while. Is that something that someone in the first year or two maybe should do or should they just work long hours? That is a great question. Now I actually adopted this schedule because that is the same schedule. The senior doc who I was working with initially that I told you that let me build my practice for 40%. Those were the hours he kept. Oh, so your after hours were the afternoon. It wasn't even six to nine o'clock at night. Exactly. Oh. Exactly. So I had in that case, I had Tuesday, Thursday, Friday afternoon, and Saturday if I wanted it. Saturday morning oh, if I wanted it. That's a question I should have asked. I'm assuming it's between six and ten o'clock at night. And you're like, no, it's just a normal afternoon shift. Yes. I'm young, I'm hungry. Why would I go home and do nothing? <laughs> So, and I've just kept, I've kept those hours because we haven't filled them. You know, I've expanded mm-hmm. them a bit. You know, we used to open at eight. I started opening at seven thirty. used to leave at noon and come back at two thirty. Now I like leave at noon, come back at two. So we, we're, we're starting to fill up and get more. I mean, I think this week I have 15 new patients this week. Today's Tuesday. Yesterday I had five new patients yesterday and they start filling up, you know? And so it, once it gets to the point where, Hey, we're staying pretty busy every week. Let's add another 30 minute slot. And that's, you know, two patients I can see or one new patient. Gotcha. So you're not just sitting around at your office all day. You're like, no, let's just, these are the hours I want. Max them out. If we're getting to get too busy, our waiting list, we'll just add some more hours and I'll just work another couple hours one day and go from there. Absolutely. Yeah. It does suck to sit in your empty office hoping someone's going to call. It's demoralizing for a while. I remember those days. I remember those days. It's it, it's they're the longest days. Are you always answering your phone, or somebody's answering your phone though? I have someone who answers okay. it for me. Yeah. yeah, as long as it's covered, because you call a chiropractor on a Tuesday yeah. at three o'clock, you expect somebody to answer the phone. <laughs> yep. We got a very right. tomorrow. <laughs> okay, tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. Do you have any favorite blogs, podcasts, or books that you would recommend, and they can range from business to pleasure? Okay, absolutely. I will say podcast-wise, I'm following you. And I also really like and highly recommend the Forward Thinking Chiropractic yeah. Alliance. I don't know if you've heard that one yet. Bobby Maybe, Dr. Bobby Maybe, he has some heavy hitters on there. He has those three guys I told you about. He has really long podcast interviews with and Greg Cook and Craig Liebesman. Now, I will say they're not all great. <laughs> As far as books go, I read a book by an author named Catherine Raman, R-A-M-I-N, I believe. And she wrote a book called Crooked. And uh, it's about 
uncovering, um, I think, corruption or something in the in the back pain okay. field. And so I really liked her book. She's very thorough. God bless her. She had back pain for uh, a long time. And she's been, she basically chronicles her pain and all the people she saw for it and all the different approaches, including oh, chiropractors. Man. Yeah. And it's, it's a very interesting read. So I actually reached out to her and emailed her and we ended up Skype talking and stuff like that too. And I gave her some of my, I kind of took a little consult with her and gave her some stuff. It's difficult to do telemedicine that way, but I did give her some stuff and, but her book is really good for pleasure. Right. Right now I'm reading the Mark Twain's, the adventures of Huck Finn. Okay. The classics. And uh, this is totally off healthcare at this point, but there's a book called The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. It's a trilogy, and it's a kind of a fantasy, but really well done. It takes, it gets a little bit of a slow start, but um, if you like anything, if you like Harry Potter, if you like any, even Marvel or any of the fantasy stuff at all. It's fantastic. And I, I predict it will become a series of movies. It's that good. Ooh, you're on the inside track. So, yes, yes. All right. Well, Dr. Daniel Bachman, how can more people get in touch with you? What's the websites and all of that? Absolutely. So, uh, first of all, I welcome anyone. Um, if anyone, if you're a student, and I've already talked to the Student American Chiropractic, the SACA, mm-hmm. Student American Chiropractic Association at, at, at uh, our two Texas schools and said, any of your students who want to talk to me or bounce cases off me or shadow me in my office, you're more than welcome. There's no charge or anything. I just like talking with you guys, and I'll make that same offer to your listeners. Uh, my, I'll give you my cell number, and it's 512-589-2820. My email is dan at bachmantechnique.com. So, Bachman is spelled B as in boy, O-C-K, M as in Mary, A-N-N, um, and then technique. Uh, so BachmanTechnique.com. Now, I'll also, um, you guys are welcome to check out my YouTube channel, which, of course, is also free. And it's, it's where I answer common clinical questions I get from patients or other people and also talk about my rehab approach. So you'll find that on YouTube if you search Bachman Technique. Again, it's B-O-C-K-M-A-N-N. So feel free, any and all, I mean, including you yourself, Doc. Um, if you have cases you want to collaborate on, I'm happy. I love talking about this stuff, being the detective and trying to work together to crack a case, you know? Yes, indeed. All right. Well, Dr. Bachman, I really appreciate your time and, and opening up with a lot of the, the how-to and some of the numbers and all of that. It just makes you feel like, okay, this guy's a real guy. He's approachable. <laughs> you know, it's relatable. And uh, we can really feel your passion in what you're doing. So I really do appreciate you taking the time and uh, coming on the show. Man, Doc, thanks for letting me come on. And you have yourself a great day. That was a powerful interview. Like I always say, please listen, critically think about it, and then implement. I know a lot of people don't always make it through the end of the episodes, but I encourage you, if you made it here and you, and you talk to your friends about it, encourage them to do it. I think the, the family and vacation and the home life balance part at the end is important it's something that I didn't get in a lot of those other podcasts that I was listening to. So check them out. Minisodes, Thursdays and Saturdays, those come out. Let me know what you think about that. If you have any episodes that you want me to do for the audience, just send me a message on Facebook. Justin Trosclair, MCC, is the official page of everything about me. You can find the books, the acupuncture, no needle book, the Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health book that talks about weight loss, exercise, dieting, and financial health. 
You can get free chapters at .NET slash chapters or slash NA protocol. So that way you can experience the book before you buy them. If you're interested in any of the interviews that I've been a part of where the roles have been reversed, it's .NET slash as heard on. The resources page on the website has all the products that I recommend and there's some deals for some of those. So check that out. And as always, if you click any of the hot links in the show notes page for books, we get a little piece of that and we appreciate that as well. The .NET slash support is the webpage if you want to buy to host a cup of coffee. And lastly, reviews are always, always appreciated and so grateful when you get them. So that's a doctor's perspective.net slash reviews. Y'all have a great week. We just went hashtag behind the curtain. I hope you will listen and integrate what some of these guests have said. By all means, please share across your social media, write a review, and if you go to the show notes page, you can find all the references for today's guest. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective. <laughs>